Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer noob, rock in America. Soccer noob, rock in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rock in America, episode number 75. I'm Soccer Noob. I'll be joined as always by my darling daughter and nine-year-old co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And yes, this is another one of our on-the-road editions. I am recording from my phone on the road instead of in the Person Noob studio, as she claims to be the lead sponsor for it and architect of it, which basically all that means is I get to use her uh, classroom desk at our house for recording. (laughs) In any case, so the sound quality is going to be a little bit less than what you're used to, but not the quality of the matches that we are picking. We always scour the globe looking for the most important most intriguing 10 matches we can find. But we define that differently than any other podcast out there, we believe. We're going to be covering big leagues and big international tournaments, but we will also cover big matches from smaller countries' leagues, as long as it's a top-flight league. If the match is important where it's being played, there's a darn good chance that Team Noob are going to be covering it. This week, that means we're going to be looking at matches from Friday, uh, March 18 through Thursday, the 24th. Let's dive right in. Get started with... March number one! We far from always do, but we start off this week, yeah. We actually had a Friday match make our cut for the best 10. And there is a Champions League berth on the line for it. So we are going to be looking at the final of Qatar's Amir Cup. Or uh, the FA Cup, basically, there. There are 16 teams that compete in this from the top two divisions. Uh, The winner gets to go, I believe, right to the group stage of the Champions League. Uh, This league, and both of these finalists, by the way, are out of the top league, the Qatari Stars League. Uh, It is the sixth-ranked league in Asia. They just got passed by Uzbekistan, so that's actually down a slot for them. And that league season just ended. Your matchup is all Duhail versus all Garafa. Uh, Duhail had the best of it this season. They won 2-4 to four on the road and then uh, beat them by a couple goals as well at home. And we will talk about Duh first because that is how I have it abbreviated in my notes, D-U-H. Nothing against them, just looks kind of fun. They have a cool mascot. They are known as the Red Knights. Uh, Duhail, by the way, is a district of Doha, the major city there. The other thing that the northern half of this district is uh, known for uh, which is where uh, the DeHale uh, football team plays, is the uh, Internal Security Forces, the ISF. Uh, they're a bad bunch of folks, and I, I probably never want to go to see a match in that particular part of Doha. In any case, the fa- club was founded 13 years ago, and they've already won seven league titles and the three most recent FA Cups. They've even had some Champions League success. They've made the round of 16 three different times. Uh, this year, 
They finished in second place in the league. Uh, it was 15 points behind all said. They ran away and hid. But they finished by 10 points uh, ahead over number three, all Wakra. So this is a very top-heavy league. Uh, I believe how things stand for them with the Champions League is that they will go to the Champions League playoff round. So they have a little bit to play for here uh, on top of the hardware in that they might get to skip one round if they do, in fact, really do get to go to the group stage of next year's Champions League. How do they do in the league this year? Well, they had the second best offense going, scoring over two and a half goals per match, tied for the number one defense. Uh, number one scorer for them in the league, and by a lot, was uh, Michael Alunga from Kenya. He's a striker. European footy fans, uh, I challenge you to remember his name. Can you guess where he was? He spent one year with Swedish club Jur Gardens. That was 2016. Tough one. Uh, to advance to the final, they beat Al Saad a 2-3. to three. So a very impressive uh, notch in their belt, so to speak. Their current form, they were unbeaten in their last six in the league. They are 1-2-0 in their last three matches. And now the challengers, and definitely your underdogs, even though they did pretty well in the league. As I mentioned, it was a very top-heavy league. Al-Garafa, they play out of the city of Al-Rayyan. It is the third largest city in the country. Basically, a sort of a suburb. It's a big political entity. Kind of forms a partial letter C, if you were to look at a map, around the eastern part of Doha. It's essentially a huge suburb at this point. Uh, this is the only major city of the country, because it's a very small country, of course, that does not not have a coastline, interestingly. So it is still very agriculturally and herding oriented, a lot of livestock, uh, rather than most of the rest of the urban areas of the country, which historically, as far as economy, are uh, related, tied into their fishing and uh, pearling, very big there. By the way, Al Garafa, the club is named for the northwest district of the city that they play in. And it's got an interesting uh, meaning. It means to scoop up. It's Garafa is a verb, essentially. And that's because it lies on a floodplain. And uh, people, I don't know how long ago, I'm sure they've had running water for quite a while in their homes, but used to have to go there to get their water. And they would just literally have to scoop it up. They, too, have a really fun mascot, by the way. They are known as the Cheetahs. Uh, they've won seven league titles, but haven't been as powerful uh, in the last few years. They nominated, dominated the 2010s. They've also got seven FA Cup titles. They made the Champions League semifinals uh, the first two years, by the way, of the 2010s. So this is an experienced side as well when it comes to winning. But they did just finish the league in fifth place. And actually, their record was a little bit under 500 in the 12-team league. The offense was good enough for them to compete with the top folks. They had the third best, but their defense was more than lacking. They were tied for ninth place in that particular stat. They were conceding uh, close to two goals per match, and that was only good for a very average goal differential in the league. Key man to look for, in my opinion, uh, their best scorer, number seven in that regard, is Chake uh, Diabate from Mali. He's a forward veteran, 33 years old. Actually came up with Bordeaux and then played with them in League One and or League Two in France five of the eight years that he was there. He was also loaned out to, I believe, various clubs in the Middle East. To advance to this final, they beat number three, Al-Wakra, four to one in the semifinal, dominated them. Uh, that said, in the league, they lost three of their last four matches. They were able to generate plenty of offense, but 
just as they had the trouble with it all year. No defense was getting played on their part whatsoever. Match number B. We move right on into the heart of the weekend for a Saturday match and mini preview. Match number B. Yes, we don't like the phrase number two because we all know it's bathroom talk. Join our revolution to be more couth than that, New Bites, please. And now your mini preview. Major League Soccer is fairly early in the season, so it really truly is going to be a mini preview, but we're going to talk about the one that person you chose, LA Galaxy versus Orlando. I think that she simply liked the name Galaxy. Uh, you can catch us, by the way, uh, Spanish language broadcast, at least here, St. Stein, on TUDN at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll talk a little bit about the Galaxy first. Uh, they have one uh, the MLS Cup, or in other words, the overall title, five different times, most recently in 2014. Internationally, they even managed to win the uh, CONCACAF Champions League in 2000. Last year, they finished in eighth place in the West. K Lastima, that meant no playoffs for them. Currently, they're in fifth place with a 2-0-1 record uh, and a 4-3 goal differential, and that's surprising for reasons that I'll uh, elaborate on momentarily. Right now, it's looking like it's the offense that's got to get better. Uh, key signing for them in the offseason was for Brazilian winger Douglas Costa. He was with Juve over in Serie A in Italy, uh, but he didn't do a lot of playing over there, at the very least not last year. He was loaned out back home to uh, Grêmio, and apparently he was not interested in staying even with that particular powerhouse. Uh, Jonathan DeSantos was the uh, player they lost that's going to hurt the most. He left for uh, Club de America. He was a tremendous defensive midfielder for them. And what's strange about that is defense, he must have been the only guy trying to play defense because they gave up an astounding 50-plus goals last year. And uh, so now I think, uh, although it's not showing so far, I think over the long haul they're going to be in real trouble on defense. Orlando, meantime, boo, they are the Lions, the most common and therefore our least favorite soccer mascot in the world. Uh, last year, they finished good on them in sixth place in the East and went out in the first round of the playoffs. They had uh, That was their first playoff appearance, actually, and they made the quarter... Oh, no, 2020, they finished number four in the East and made their first playoff appearance then... Uh, got all the way to the quarterfinals, and those are both bests for them. There, got that qualified last year out in the first round of the playoffs. This year, they're currently in eighth place, very early, obviously, in the East. 1-1-1 one, one, one record, a 3-2 and two goal differential. Now, this is a team that actually should defend pretty well throughout the season. They're very stout defensively in the middle. So both their midfielders and their center backs, when they play uh, four in the back, should uh, be able to keep keep games very tight question is, are they going to be able to score? Now, most previews that you might hear for uh, this team, their season, and even this game, will talk more about Facundo Torres, but the guy that I want you to be a little bit more aware of is, uh, and I'm not sure the pronunciation of the first name, Urkan or Ursan Kara. He is the replacement for Daryl Dike, their superstar who played a lot abroad last year and is now over there full-time with one of the uh, mid-table second-tier or championship-level teams in England. This guy was with Rapid Vienna, and so while that is not RB Salzburg, uh, which is far and away the best team over in the Austrian Bundesliga, uh, Rapid Vienna is one of probably the top three or four most years. So he got a lot of good league and international experience. Oh, and by the way, I finally did, I finally did remember which team Daryl DK is now with uh, West Brom. Match number three. 
and we skedaddle right on into Sunday. This is going to be a week where we're going to have a lot of weekday matches, believe it or not, a little bit on the unusual side. In any case, your match number three is from France's top flight, League One over there. It's now the number five ranked league in all of UEFA. As such, they only now get three instead of four Champions League berths, one to the Europa League and one team to the Europa Conference League. Match we're going to look at as PSG more or less run away with the league is number B, Marseille, versus number three, Nice, as they are tied on points. They shouldn't be, but uh, Nice lost a point earlier this season for some sort of crowd trouble in a match against Lyon. You wonder how costly that might be by the end. Might affect which tournament they get into. They'll go somewhere internationally. And by the way, uh, Nice in turn lead ran by just a point. So there are no guarantees that they're going to get into Champions League, certainly. As far as the series between these two in recent years, Marseille have had the slight advantage with a 12-4-9 record. Uh, meanwhile, Nice actually did win their first match this season, 1-0 at their place. You can catch this at 3.45 p.m. Eastern Time in the U.S. on Be In Sports or Be In Sports en Espanol. <clears throat> Excuse me. And now that's all you're going to get from me because apparently I need a cough break. And what more perfect time to reintroduce 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, who will give us a drug-aided or drug-addled, depending on how you want to look at it, vision that, who knows, there's an off chance could actually divine a realistic score for how he thinks the universe will have this match go. I awake in the avatar of a devilishly handsome young sailor, but on a cold stone floor. The thin light from far above illuminates a bare room and thick door. A prison cell. I sense immediately I am here wrongly accused, and have been so for six years. Suddenly, the floor near me erupts. Out sprouts of all things an old man's frowning head. Faria, a fellow prisoner, has been digging an escape tunnel for years in the wrong direction. Asking for my help digging a new one, he offers education and swordsmanship training in return. How smart can he be since he's been digging the wrong way? Oh well, what else am I going to do? The vision shifts, and I am in the tunnel with Faria, and it is collapsing around us. I pull us out, but my companion is fatally injured. Gasping, dying in my arms, he gives me a treasure map, leading to a gleaming fortune so vast, not giving it up to others is why he's here in the first place. How they didn't find it before now is beyond me. But forget this soccer score foolishness. Where's the golden jewels? Where? The vision fades before I can see. No! 3,500 years, and I still don't know where the spot of family treasure lies. But the answer to our soccer match is clear. Six years alone in the Shadow Deef, coastal Marseille. But seven with Faria. Noob, Nice wins in a shootout. Six to seven. 
I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number four. Ah, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Excellent book. Pretty darn good movie. I love that one. James Caviezel, Guy Pierce. I want to say it was George Harris in the role of uh, Faria, but I can't remember for sure. In any case, I'm not sure that I would uh, bet a whole lot of money or really any quid whatsoever on that particular prediction. Feels a little bit unrealistic, but then again, I'm not the one with the amazing fifth or sixth sense or what have you. In any case, let's move on to another Sunday match. Number four, we're heading just a little bit north. You can take the channel if you want, up to jolly old England for the FA Cup, where they are in the quarterfinals now. The winner is going to get a Europa Conference League berth. Still no I think that's wrong. They get our Europa League berth. Should have checked my notes. In any case, we've been following this event all season long because we love to do what's called minnow watching and watch for teams from way down the English pyramid system, uh, teams that are amateur, real underdogs that can make a run deep into the FA Cup. We're running out of them. We're down to two Division II level or championship clubs. We've already talked about one earlier in the season. So now we give you Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool, which you can catch on ESPN Plus at 2 in the afternoon Eastern time. The land of Robin Hood. We're only going to talk about Nottingham Forest. You probably already know as much or more than me about Liverpool after all. And besides, as Americans, we like to root for the underdog. This is the team we're interested in. The city they play in is actually not Nottingham. They're right across the river, I believe, from their area called West Bridgeford. Uh, this whole area is right in the center of the country, 48,000 people. Yeah, that's right. Nottingham's not just fictional Americans. It's a real place. Uh, what's fun is West Bridgeford is kind of known as the Bread and Lard Island. It, there's a lot of big fancy houses on the island, but there's a big implication that there's not a lot of money left over there and that it's not really nearly as well-to-do as it may have been at one time or even was at the very beginning. In any case, I also like one of their nicknames. Uh, you would think they would go with the Merry Men or something, but I guess that is too cliche. They are the Tricky Trees, amongst other nicknames. They did win Division I once, by the way, as far as league play in England. That was back in 1978. That's actually one of their more recent top-flight-style successes because the FA Cup, which they have won twice, the most recent one was uh, 1958-59, and the other one you've got to go back to the late 1800s to find when they hoisted the hardware. Uh, they did win what is now the Champions League in 1979 as well as in 1980. This season, they've got a couple of nice scalps here in the FA Cup. They beat the defending champions, Leicester City, I believe two rounds ago. And then they also beat Huddersfield Town, which is a very recent Premier League and now a straight, still a very good uh, champions championship-level team to advance to this round. Currently in their league play, they are in eighth place in the championship. Uh, a reminder that the top two from that league are going to get promoted, and then the next four have to play a promotion playoff. One couldn't blame them if they decided to put all their eggs into the promotion basket and not play their starters for the FA Cup, but I think they're going to go after that trophy no matter, no matter how many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars they would get by certainly getting promoted up to the Premier League. 
in the league play. They are tied for number three on offense. They've got a top six defense, good for uh, overall third goal differential. So while they're only in eighth place now, I think they're a bit better than that. It's just that they get an awful lot of draws. Unfortunately for them, their best player, Max Lowe, a left midfielder that also does some defensive work at left back, uh, is out with a groin injury right now. So defensively, uh, and I think this is where they're going to have to try to shine, keep this, you know, nil-nil or 1-1 and maybe try to win it in penalty kicks. Uh, best remaining player they've got less statistically is Joe Warall. Uh, he is really excellent at both interceptions and clearances, and he's not one of those typical center backs who gets rid of the ball more or less as fast as he can uh, to uh, central midfield or further up. He's actually very good with his dribbling as well. And we have a USA connection. Kind of third, uh, third string or honorable mention for the USMNT at goalie, but here he is, Ethan Horvath. And the team are on quite a roll, should be coming into this with lots of confidence. They are unbeaten in their last nine matches. They also uh, specifically won their last three by a 93 goal differential, although all of those were home, mess- uh, home matches. Still very impressive. Match number five. Another Sunday match, and you didn't really think Noob was going to ignore El Clasico, did you? Yeah, from La Liga, Spain, the second-best-ranked league in all of UEFA, just behind England. Uh, They max out on their European berths. Uh, They'll get four to the Champions League, one to the Europa League, one to the Europa Europa Conference League. It is current number one Real Madrid versus a surging until recently. I guess you would have said broke. I suppose they still are, but they're making a great run, number four, Barcelona. Uh, Here's how the table stands. Uh, Madrid leads Sevilla by 10. So they're sort of your champions in waiting, more or less. Barcelona, they are precariously hanging on to uh, that last Champions League berth. They lead number five, Real Betis, by two. Uh, Real Madrid won when they played earlier this season. Uh, 1-2 at Barcelona. As far as the series in recent years, it's been dead even in the last 40 times they've met. 15-10 and 15 is their record. You can catch this on ESPN Plus, by the way, stateside, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And I said I wasn't going to ignore El Clasico, but that's actually all all I'm going to give you on it. After all, what's a noob going to tell you about El Clasico that you don't already know? So, instead, for no particular reason whatsoever, given that the movie is set in Colombia, but at least the Spanish language, here to serenade you is a recording that I don't even know that she knows I'm using. Person Noob uh, singing one of the songs, from, I think the Bruno song uh, from the movie Encanto. normal for us to not have a Monday match that happens to make our cut, but everything is happening midweek and a little bit beyond Wednesday, Thursday. So we are jumping ahead to Wednesday and your match number six is from the U.S. Open Cup. 
welcome back. It's been uh, postponed or canceled the last two seasons, and the event's just getting started this year. This is the first round, and here in 2022, there will be a record 103 teams participating, 71 of them fully professional. Uh, all the way through the final is going to take till September. We've got a long time to really savor it. Here in the first round, this is all uh, local qualifiers and then uh, tier or division four leagues, if you will. Teams from the NPSL, the National Premier Soccer League, which I gather is still uh, rather developmental in nature. And then USL2, which is a moderately uh, short season uh, semi-pro to amateur league as well. And the matchup as picked by Persinub, and I'm not surprised at all by which one she picked because she was born there, even though we're not there now. Des Moines Menace, they are playing host to Minneapolis City. The winner gets a really tough matchup for uh, for this early in the event. They're going to have to play USL 1, that's the third tier, uh, USL League 1, I should say, Union Omaha, and I believe they're the defending champs. I know that at the very least they participated in that league's final next year. And you could actually catch this one online, ESPN Plus, 8 o'clock in the evening. And we will talk about, uh, we're going to be biased here. We are very much in favor of the menace. Let's talk about Des Moines first. Uh, they again playing USL 2, League 2. They are Iowa's only entrant. Uh, they actually play in West Des Moines, which is not Western Des Moines, but a separate city of about 70,000. And it's a really nice place. Uh, Money Magazine has ranked it in the top 100 places to live uh, several times in recent years in the country. Uh, 2015 for better or for worse, I found a note that said they also made the list for uh, top 15 hipster cities. Take that for what it's worth. The club was founded in 1994. Last year, uh, they won the USL League 2 Heartland Division and then went on to become the national champions. We were really excited about that. I wanted to head homeward-ish uh, just to get tickets. Uh, last January, also very exciting. I hadn't realized this was official. I've fallen behind. Uh, the USL has announced that the Des Moines team will be joining the USL championship. So they're going to jump right over the third tier and into the second tier, one step below MLS. So who knows? If they ever add promotion, uh, promotion relegation, Des Moines could be in America's top flight. They are the five-time regular season champions there in their division, and uh, or rather, they have won it five different times, I should say, and they are the three-time defending champions. They've got one other title to their belt. They used to play in uh, the PDL, which I believe is now the NPSL, and they won that in 2005. Minneapolis City, they are known as the Crows. And this is the first ever time they're getting to play in the U.S. Open Cup. Not the first time they were ever supposed to, or at least that they'd earned their way in. Uh, they qualified for the 2018 iteration, but were uh, automatically disqualified by rule because they were switching leagues from the Premier League of America, which isn't as big as it sounds. It, it was mostly, was or is mostly uh, Great Lakes regional clubs uh, to NPSL. The club is a very young one. They were just founded in 2016. Uh, last year, they won the NPSL North Conference playoffs and got as far as the regional final. And they are switching and going to be playing in the soon-to-be-starting USL League 2 this year. Interesting side note, I can't tell for sure if this is still the case or not, and it makes you wonder how good they can be if they decide to restrict themselves in this manner, but I, I know at the very least when they were founded that they had a club rule that all of the team members had to be residents of the state of Minnesota. Match number seven. 
Until we get to the bonus matches from here on out, it is all Thursday stuff and it is all exciting World Cup qualifying. We're going to talk for match number seven about a European one first. Uh, here's who's left. The number B finishers from the group stage, plus the two best Nations League finishers from last year or the year before, I can't remember which, that didn't qualify uh, for World Cup through some other avenue are who is left. That's 12 teams, and they've been divided into three four-team brackets, and only the winners get to go on to the World Cup. So the winner of this match we're talking about does not go to the World Cup. They only advance to the final and have to win one more match to get there. The one that Person New picked for us has got a real underdog involved. We've got number three uh, left of the remaining teams, uh, Italy versus number nine, North Macedonia. Uh, these seedings are all strictly based on the group stage results, by the way. Those aren't uh, FIFA or UEFA rankings. The top half of the top six were seeded against the bottom six by random draw. Uh, these two teams have played each other just a couple of times ever, or maybe at least recently, and Italy are sporting a 1-1-0 record against North Macedonia. The winner will play the winner of the Portugal-Turkey match that will be happening soon. And interesting to me, they're not playing this at one of the stadiums that houses one of the, the, the big Serie A clubs. They're going to play it in Palermo. Still must be a good-sized stadium, but Palermo FC actually plays in the third division in Italy. In any case, you can catch this on ESPN Plus at 3.45 in the afternoon Eastern Time. Italy, they're actually ranked number eight by UEFA. They have won the Champions League, or no, I'm sorry, the World Cup, rather, uh, four different times, most recently in 2006. But here is the big news from the last iteration, 2018. Italy was the biggest team missing from the World Cup. They failed to qualify. And so the fact that they were predicted to win this group this year and didn't, the Italians are sweating it out, believe you me, because somehow, even though they didn't lose any matches, they went 4-4-0 with a 13-2 goal differential, they still lost out to fellow undefeated group stager Switzerland in their group that had like one less draw, one more win, and uh, just a little bit better goal differential to boot. The last couple of matches, the weak link has been Nicolo Barella. And he's a guy I want you to watch. And he plays for uh, Inter Milan in league play. He's one of their central midfielders. Uh, but they've been playing him on the left side. So maybe just a little bit out of position. Uh, so his overall passing has been okay, but not great from there. He's been good on crosses, certainly. Uh, he's a fair dribbler. And they've been asking a little bit more of him in that regard, I think. And he uh, tracks back well on defense. This is good tackler anyway, but he doesn't get a load of interceptions. I've got to believe that this guy's just a little lost when playing on the national team versus when he's playing for club. And then we have a USA connection or a future USA connection. Sort of. I'll explain. Lorenzo Insigne. He is a winger for Napoli that plays for this national team. And while he will not be moving over to the U.S., he is moving over to Major League Soccer. He has already signed a four-year deal and will be coming over to play for Toronto FC starting in July. One of the two biggest signings, I believe, ever in MLS history. As far as this team's current form, they've only managed draws in their last two, which is why they're in this possession position rather they've just had trouble generating very much offense
Still, your underdogs, North Macedonia, they are known as the Lions, but really more primarily known as the Lynxes. So, even though we don't like Lions, we feel a little bit better about cheering for this particular underdog. They are rated just number 67 of the world by FIFA, number 34 in Europe, so in the bottom half. They have never qualified for a World Cup. In fact, they only qualified for their first European Championships in 2020. Good on them for making it. They went 0-0-3, but, you know, first huge step for such a little country. As far as this event, they were slated to finish or seeded as if they were going to finish in fourth place, but managed to finish in second place. They went 5-3-2, lots of offense, little shakier on defense, 23-11 GD in their group of six. They finished miles behind Germany that just ran rough shot over everyone, and they finished one point ahead of Romania. Key players to look for are their two center midfielders. Their offense gets created from deep back. Uh, Elif Elmas, he is a central midfielder that plays for Napoli, and uh, he had a brace in their last match. And then Enos Bardhai, he's a central midfielder, uh, plays for last place in La Liga Levante. He had a hat trick two matches ago. Team's current form, they are 3-0-1 in their last four, with a 12-1 goal differential in the wins. Not surprisingly, they did lose and lose badly to Germany 0-4 at home. Match number eight. Now we're going to talk about CONCACAF qualifying. And as I'm sure you're guessing, yes, Mexico versus USA, the classic here in our region. It's going to be played as it always is in uh, El Azteca. USA have never won a game there in their history. I believe they have earned a, a draw one or more times. And who knows, with the success they've been having against Mexico in various recent events, maybe they can get a point here. A lot of people think that they should uh, rest a fair number of their best players or starters and uh, kind of give up on this one and really load up against Panama. I don't see that happening. I think that uh, they'll rotate a lot of players for this particular match, but otherwise play to win. And that's all I'm going to give you for this one because... This is the point of the podcast where we always take a break to learn something cultural, and that culture is usually food, because who doesn't enjoy it? I likes to have it every single day. And so what I wanted to look up, uh, Azteca is in uh, Mexico City, so I thought, I'm always looking at food from other countries. This time I'm going to look for American food in Mexico. So I did a little uh, digging around on TripAdvisor and some other places saying, where is the some of the best and or cheapest American food specifically that you can get in and around Mexico City? Say hello to the barbecue restaurant called Pinche Gringo. And yes, if you speak uh, if you speak very much Spanish, you're probably aware that that is often a pejorative phrase, if not a downright filthy one. Team new, we don't like to run blue here. But it's got a couple of different possible meanings, and the owner picked it specifically because, well, it means like assistant to the boss in kind of a negative way or something like that. He uses it as a sign of humility, if you will, because he knows that he is sort of a guest in Mexico. Here's a little bit of the story of Pinche Gringo Barbecue. Uh, one of the Ameri- uh, one of the co-owners and is American, who's actually a New York native, who moved to Texas, and that's what they specialize down there, is Texan-style barbecue, uh, mesquite, and specifically brisket for the meat, which is interesting because once they were trying to set up shop down there, he and the Mexican business owner he became friends with in Mexico, or in Texas, who also doesn't have any barbecue or restaurant experience, by the way, neither of them did. Um, they had to explain to people what 
brisket even was down in Mexico, and they still use that as a loan word. I don't believe there is a Spanish word for brisket. Take that with a grain of salt, though. In any case, some fun facts about the restaurant and their food. Uh, Beverage-wise, this is a real rarity in Mexico. They do all the big-name bottled beers down there, but you can't get craft beer, at the very least, on draft. They've gone out of their way to have that, to offer something really, really different. Uh, good pork ribs and fatty brisket are really, really expensive to bring up from Mexico, or uh, from the U.S. The cuts you're going to find in Mexico are typically not as good, or at the very least, they are way, way more expensive, and they didn't want to start out with really, really high prices. And so they've decided to go with a little bit of a lesser cut, to be perfectly honest, and done some things to mitigate that so they can keep their prices reasonably low. Uh, one of the problems that they've had, because the uh, ribs and the brisket aren't as fatty, they've had a problem with dryness because they've used those big Texas-style, kind of upside-down, uh, C-shaped uh, uh, barbecuing machines and so they get dried out really fast with the meat but they layer on some sauce right away to try to let that soak in before they add on even more sauce if that's what the customers are ordering fun story when they first were getting started uh, to set up for actual business they decided again in order to keep prices low that instead of using real lemonade they were going to use the country time powdered brand something i grew up on well usually these problems come the other way when it comes to something white and powdered uh, as far as the u.s mexico border crossing but they still had uh trouble they got stopped something like uh, 11 times <laughs> both in uh, Texas or wherever it was they were crossing from, I assume Texas, and within Mexico and kept having to explain and prove to people that it was in fact lemonade and not something illicit. Uh, one pleasantly surprising thing that they found is they've had very little trouble with anti-American sentiment. Uh, no matter who's in office in the U.S. federally, I'm talking about Trump, uh, it hasn't affected their clientele there. People in Mexico City have been very... Uh, very nice with them and they understand that not everybody supports Trump. These two particular business owners did not and so it hasn't hurt their business at all. Plus, he likes to hire uh, recent deportees from the U.S. So he's in very good uh, standing uh, with the community, the primary American business owner. So there you go. So if you're traveling down to Mexico City, whether it's for this game or sometime in the future, and you're craving a little bit of Texas, oddly enough, instead of eating nothing but Mexican, Pinche Gringo Barbecue could be the spot for you. Match number nine. Now we get to really start earning our frequent flyer miles. We're heading all the way off to Sydney, Australia for AFC Champions League action. Uh, here's how things stand for the event. There are two groups of six that are playing, a double round robin that's nearly done. There's only two matches left. The top two teams from each of the two groups will go straight to the World Cup. The two number three finishers will play each other in a one or two match playoff. I'm not sure with which for the right to go to an intercontinental playoff against the fourth place team from Conmebol to get into the World Cup. So they would have a little bit of a road to hoe. The match we're going to look at is, of course, Australia, hence the reason it's in Sydney, taking on Japan. And this match is a critical one. Here's how the table stands. Saudi Arabia, very good shape and not surprising, with 19 points. 
Japan, this is like a group of death. They are at one point behind at 18, and then Australia have 15. Now, it's worth noting, Australia have guaranteed themselves finishing at least in third place. There is no chance that no matter who their fourth place opponent is, that they're not going to go for it at home against Japan. There will be no playing for a draw. They've got to defend their turf and get the second, uh, get the three points to second place. That's just the only way they're going to go. Uh, the series against these two recently, and perhaps even all time, Japan has won uh, five of the eight times they've played and uh, three draws as well. Australia have not beaten them at all in that particular stretch. And Japan won the most recent match here in the group stage, in fact, 2-1 to one in Japan. But time to see if Australia, who, yes, they are members of AFC as of, I want to say, 2012 or 14. They left the Oceania Football Confederation. The Socceroos, let's talk about them. They're ranked number 41 by FIFA. They are the fourth best team ranked in Asia for national teams, and they have won the World Cup. They've made five World Cup appearances, I should say, including the last four iterations. 2006 was the best they've ever done. They made a round of 16. Interestingly, they've actually got the best goal differential in this particular group. They are plus nine in their eight matches. That's largely due to the fact that they've got the best offense going. They're scoring almost twice per match. To that end, on the scoring leaderboard for this event is Jamie McLaren, their striker who plays for Melbourne City. He came up with Blackburn Rovers over in England, but he spent his entire senior career here in Australia. The best player I think they have going is actually on the defensive side of things, uh, Ryan, I'm pronouncing that with an H that's in there, maybe it's silent, Grant. He uh, plays for Sydney FC right back, but he is a fantastic dribbler. Gets a lot of box-to-box action going and is very involved in helping set up the offense. And we've got a USA connection in Milos Jajenic. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. He is a center back who plays for Columbus Crew in MLS. He's actually Croatian-born, but reps for Australia. Just came over to Columbus from Red Star Belgrade over in Serbia, one of the two best teams over there. This team's current form, they're 1-3-0 in their last four. Their scores have been kind of all over the place, so they've proven they can compete in high and low-scoring affairs. They've just got to be able to get over the hump against Japan, and that is a tall task even at home because they are considered the second-best team in Asia. They're ranked number 26 worldwide by FIFA. They have made the last six World Cups uh, three different times, I think basically every other iteration uh, they made the round of 16 including the most recent world cup in 2018 their offense has been okay but the defense is where they've shined they've been number one in the group in that regard but if we want to look at scoring who's going to be doing it for them because they could get into a shootout with australia they've got two guys who are tied for number three in the event in scoring one uh takumi minamino the attacking midfielder for liverpool very slight of build so he's very fast uh, tracks back well on defense as well, even though he is uh, largely an attacker. And then tied with him is Yuya Osaka, for who plays for Japanese squad uh, Vissel Kobe. But uh, pretty recently, just a season or two back, he was with uh, Werder Bremen over in Germany. But the best overall player, in my opinion, is the right winger who plays for Yank. Pretty good team over in Belgium. Junia, or uh, Junia Ito, rather. 
He has got six goals and 12 assists on the league season, just dominating in Belgium. I'd be really surprised if he didn't move up to an even bigger and better European league soon. He shoots, and not because low volume, he shoots at a very high percentage, and he also tracks back on defense uh, well, has a really good tackling percentage. Uh, this team's current form, five straight wins. In fact, the goal that Australia got on them in that 2-1 match I mentioned earlier is the only match that they have conceded over that entire stretch. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! You know, person who I love you, but hate to put a butt with that. Every single week, by match number 10, you're always saying, finally, and, and sounding like you're trailing off into the distance and leaving. Uh, look, you're the star of the show. I understand that. You're the cute one with your sandwich reviews and your uh, singing like you did today and your guitar playing and your, your new questioning answering segment, which I thought has gone really well, by the way. You may be the reason that anyone at all listens. I understand that. But the soccer previews are the spine of the show and your counting keeps everything going and keeps your voice consistently involved. So, finally... Really? Uh, fine. You know what? We'll just take a break this match. And it's too bad because we were going to talk about Comable World Cup qualifying. Uruguay are in fourth place in South America and Peru are in fifth place just a point back. And it's really important because there are only three matches left in the double round robin down there of 18 matches. And Uruguay is only ahead by one little tiny point. And only the top four get to go straight to the World Cup. The fifth place team has to go to that inter-confederation playoff that we talked about earlier on. So this is a really critical match. But you know what? Finally. Finally, she says. You know what? We're just going to listen to some more Tejano accordion music then. And I'm going to go pout in the corner. Bring forth the bonus matches. You know, it couldn't possibly be that I just forgot to do the research for match number 10 and that all of that was just for show. No, no chance of that at all. Bonus matches are way more fun anyway, and this is my favorite part of the show, largely because you've gotten to help determine the content. How, you ask, or I'm asking for you anyway. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA is my handle there. And every single week, uh, usually on Tuesdays, uh, you know, give or take a day, I put up polls for you to vote on with the candidate matches for each of these three bonusers. The first one is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. And the one that you have voted for is a Sunday match. Number 18, last place, Cranbourne Bullets versus number one, Manica Diamonds. Where do they play out of? The Premier League of Zimbabwe. 
The season is fairly young. They're just seven matches in. This is the 19th ranked league in Africa. And where that really matters is this. If you're in the top 12, you get to send two teams to Champions League instead of just one. So these guys aren't there yet at the very least. And uh, so they'll just get the one Champions League team. And then on the other end of the spectrum, four teams are going to get relegated. So that's not real great for Cranbourne Bullets. Let's talk about them first since they are hosting. They play out of the capital city of Harare. Uh, 2019, by the way, was the last time that this league competed or at least got in a complete season. And the only thing I can tell you for sure is that this club wasn't in it. And it was really hard to find much second division information when it came to Zimbabwe football. So, hey, I'm a noob. I'm learning, but I've also got a limited amount of research time. I don't know if they just got promoted or they're a newly formed club. In any case, this year, things are not going well early for them. They are 0-3-5 on the season. They're playing small ball. They've got a 4-12 versus 12 goal differential. And even though they're trying to limit things in that regard, they're still in the bottom four in goal differential. I'm not seeing much uh, hope here statistically early on that they're going to be able to climb up to safety. As far as the team's current form, they have lost three straight. Interestingly, all by the exact same score, either 3-1 or on the road 1-3. Uh, now, Manica Diamonds, have a little bit more on them. Even though this is a very young club, they were founded in 2017 uh, by the owner of the Zimbabwe Consolidated Diamonds Company. And they've just won promotion the next year in 2018. Uh, by the way, the Manica part, that is named after the province they play out of. Manica Land, all one word, is in the far east central uh, part of the country. And they play in the city of Matare, which is right on the Mozambique border. It's the third biggest city in Zimbabwe. Um, at least as of a decade ago, their uh, metro area was about a half a million. Hard to say for me, at least, how much maybe it's grown since then. Uh, this is a mining town, no surprise by the name, although I think they actually get more out of gold mining and specifically gold smelting maybe than they do diamonds at this point. It's also an area with a lot of agriculture, and it's always been a big, big trade area. It's always been a transport hub going back, you know, 100, 200 years, uh, being on a major road that's on the route to the port city of Baira in Mozambique. Uh, Footy-wise, 2019, again, the last time they uh, played or at least finished a season. This team finished in fifth place. This year, they've got the number one offense, scoring over two goals per match. Uh, closer to average on defense, although they're not even giving up a goal per game, so that's still pretty okay. They're 5-1-1 one, one on the season. Their current form, 2-1-0 in their last three, with a 9-4 goal differential. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Team Noob challenges you to find a show that is talking about teams like these. Maybe only podcasts in their own country, and probably not even then. These are teams that are perfectly equidistant from the glory of getting on to international tournament berths in Europe, or the curse that is ending up in the relegation zone, being at risk of getting kicked out of your league. Oh, the sweet, sweet match of Disappointed. The one you voted on is another Sunday match for the Superliga of Denmark. It's a high enough ranked league in UEFA that they get two Champions League bursts. Uh, the third place team will automatically go to the Europa Conference League. And then there's one more ECL berth at stake. And they do that in kind of a fun way. The fourth place team at the end of the season and the winner of the relegation round. The league is divided into the top and the bottom halves. And they're only playing against each other for the last 30% of the season. 
The team that wins that bottom league will play the fourth place team from the top league for the right to go to the Europa Conference League. On the other end of the spectrum, two teams out of this league get relegated. Neither of these two teams is going to have to worry about that. So not the most meaningless, most meaningless match we've ever had because of that ECL situation, but it was close enough for horseshoes and hand grenades, so we did it. Number eight, AGF Arhus. Horseshoes and hand grenades... Am I becoming my father? How how antiquated a phrase is that? Uh, Dad, if you're listening, you're a good guy, but I got a feeling I picked that up from you. Number eight, AGF Arhus, taking on number seven. It looks like Viborg, but it turns out it's pronounced Vibo. In any case, Vibo lead AGF by just one point in the table. And then AGF, in turn, lead the number 11 team of the 12 by 10 points. So you can see that there's not any real danger of relegation for them. This season, they've already played twice. AGF earned a 1-1 draw at home, and then Vibo won 2-0 when they played at their place. We'll talk about the hosts first, as always, AGF. Aarhus, that is the second biggest city in the country. It's about 120 miles northwest of Copenhagen, uh, right in the center of the main part of Denmark, if you're looking at a map called Jutland. It is known as the City of Smiles, uh, perhaps because it is the youngest and it is certainly the fastest growing city in the country. And uh, economically, it's really been undergoing a shift. The largest university in the country is there now, and it's becoming a much more knowledge and service-based economy, uh, while the manufacturing kind of slowly dwindles away. Footy-wise, last year they finished in fourth place. They've actually won the top flight in the country five different times. Most recent time, though, was 1986. Uh, This team's halcyon days were back in the 1950s. They were winning a lot more. Uh, They made the Champions League uh, quarterfinals, or what is now called the Champions League anyway, back in 1961, in fact. Uh, This year, they went to the Europa Conference League. They got to start the second qualifying round, but had a disappointing time in that they lost to either a semi-pro or fully amateur team, Larne, out of Northern Ireland. I at least know that their premiership is not entirely fully professional. They've got a pretty weak offense, but they've got the best defense, at least of uh, these also-rans that are playing in the relegation half of the league. Best player they've got going is Nikolai Polson, central midfielder. Uh, he plays a lot more central defensive midfielder, to be honest. He's really great at interceptions. Most meaningless player they have statistically. I always enjoy looking those up. Uh, I believe it's Albert Grunbeck. He is another central midfielder, just 20 years old, so plenty of time for this young man to find some meaning in his soccer life. But will that meaning be for good or bad? Time will tell. Uh, He's been contributing in the offense. He's got two goals and three assists. Great interceptor. I think they just need him to produce a little bit more on the offensive side. Uh, As far as the team's current form, not so great. 0-2-2 in their last four, and they haven't kept a clean sheet in the bunch. Now, Vibo, uh, the greater metro area of that town is only about 100,000. It's a little bit further north in the central part of Jutland. Uh, the name is interesting because it means it's sort of a portmanteau, if you will, of words in uh, their language that means holy place and fort. Uh, because, in fact, in the overall municipality, which is larger than the greater metro area that is Vibo, there used to be 12 monasteries in this area, chock full of them. That was uh, before the Reformation, though. 
As far as the soccer, last year they won Division Two, so hey, very good on them to be all the way up in the most meaningless match instead of being in our third bonus match. If you're a new listener, you'll get to find out about that shortly. Only national trophy they've ever won was the 2000 FA Cup, and they finished in fourth place in Division One that year. That is one of only three different single years that they have played in the top flight. They're usually down in Division Two, and I think occasionally in Division Three at least here in the modern era. Uh, They've got really average stats for both offense and defense. Uh, They do have a man on the scoring leaderboard for the league, Sebastian Groening, but unfortunately uh, he decided to leave. He went to South Korea of all places, Suwon Bluings, a pretty decent team. He left for there in January. So they're really going to be relying heavily and trying to get to the ECL with their overall best remaining player, top 10 in league assist, Christian Sorensen, a left back. I like seeing those defensive guys get in on the offensive stacks. Stats, rather. Most meaningless player is Justin Lonwick getting the uh, award from us. He is a central midfielder from the Netherlands, another youngster, just 22 years old. Just two goals, two assists, good on interceptions, but particularly for a central midfielder, not a real strong, uh, not a real strong passer. His accuracy rate, I think, is only in the 70s, if memory serves. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three with a 3-5 goal differential. And as always, no matter what the score is for the most meaningless match of the world, New will predict a draw. And now at last, we reach the true end of our podcast road. It is time for the match of Disappointed! The last and second place teams from some domestic top flight in the world are set to do some sad version of battle. The one that you have voted for is a Wednesday match from Angola. The Girabola or Girabola. I've never figured out the softer, the hard G. Uh, This is going to be disappointing in a whole new way. Thank you so much for voting for this one. because they're in the top 12, two teams get to go to the Champions League. Ooh la la. But these teams will never get a sniff of that one in particular. Uh, three, however, are going to get relegated. That is much more relevant, especially because they are two-thirds of the way through the season. The matchup you selected was number 15, Cabuscorp, taking on last place, number 16, Sporting de Benguela. In the table, Cabuscorp currently lead Benguela by eight. They trail number 13, C.D. Linda Sewell by 10. That represents safety for these two teams. Earlier this season when they played, Cabuscorp won one to two, but there is no chance of them repeating that success because this is the most disappointing match of all. This club, uh, since 2017, has had so much trouble paying people or paying people on time that they keep getting penalized. Even if they've paid them, if they paid them after the agreed-upon time, the FA keeps hammering them with point deductions, including this season they got hit with Oh, at least their third penalty in the last few years of six points. So guess what? The owner of the club has decided to pick up his ball and go home. On March 12th, the club announced that they would be dissolving because of the constant penalties and are going to forfeit the entire rest of the season. So I'm not going to tell you anything about this club, and I'm not even going to tell you about the other club. Benguela, but it will be interesting to see since Cabuscorp won't be earning any more points. Can Benguela earn enough points between now and the end of the season to still not finish in last place? They are tremendously bad. They've only got three or four points on the season. And so that is your match of disappointed. I'm very proud of you folks.
Normally we conclude by saying we're not going to wish those teams good luck, but we only have one team to even wish good luck. And we're not going to do that because they're not deserving. Such is the nature of the match of disappointed. Instead, we send Sporting Day Benguela off in what was Cabius Corp in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo. Yeah, and believe it or not, that's how we ended. This has been episode 75 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. I'd like to thank my little girl for helping me as always. Thank you so much for letting me have uh, a little bit of fun, maybe at your expense, but not really. I enjoyed your singing in Spanish an awful lot. Uh, I'd also like to particularly thank this week the management, as usual, for all his editing and production wizardry, and to Dan, the former website Interno Inferno, for all of his creative efforts and inspirations, and to you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really endeavor to try to bring you something new and unique covering uh, teams and nations that you're not getting much of anywhere else. So while a lot of the name and the presentation is a little bit silly, we do like to think we offer some real content. And we hope that you'll pass it on to your footy-minded friends. Until we get do it again in a few days, have a fabulous footy week, please, and take care. Hey.